want you to take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Jonah. We're going to continue in the life of Jonah uh, in the fourth chapter this morning. And as you're turning to the book of Jonah, let me greet our campuses this morning. We're glad they're joining with us. And we're believing today for the presence of God to take the Word of God and to apply it to your life right where you are and that you are going to experience everything that you need today as the Word of God goes forth because we understand that as God's Word is preached and it is spoken that it will not return void uh, into your life. Today we're going to talk about, out of the book of Jonah, let me just set it up for a minute. Uh, the, the life of Jonah is, is, is an interesting, interesting life. Jonah's a man of God, he's called of God, and the Word of God says there in the first chapter of Jonah that the Word of God came to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh. Uh, Jonah said, I've heard about Nineveh, it's not a very hospitable place, I don't think I want to go. And the Scripture says that he went down to the seashore and he took a boat and he headed down to Tarshish. And as he is going that way, God sent a storm. I want to tell you, sometimes in your life, when you start going the wrong direction, God will send a storm. Listen, there are times in your life where he is going to come into your life to get your attention one way or the other. And so the Word of God lets us know there that the storm came. We talked about that the first week. Uh, and then in, in uh, uh, the, the first part or the latter part of that chapter into chapter 2, the Word of God says that Jonah fessed up. He said, I'm the reason this storm is here. And the guy said, man, we hate to do this, but we're getting rid of you. They tossed him over the side, and Jonah thought, well, I'm going to drown. I'm going to die. This is going to be the end of it. But the Scripture says God prepared a great fish for Jonah, and that great fish swallowed him up. He thought that it, is, it had gotten as bad as it could when they threw him into the ocean. But however bad you think that it might be, it can get worse. Aren't you excited about that this morning? And so we talked about that experience that, that he went through in the, in the belly of the fish and how that he made sacrifices unto God and he cried out to God in that place. And then, then the second chapter ending into the third chapter uh, says that the fish vomited Jonah up on dry land and that he goes in in all of his disgusted state, he goes into the city of Nineveh and begins to proclaim to them in 40 days God is going to wipe out this city. In the third chapter, what you find is, is that you find the entire city turns to God. I kind of think it had something to do with the way Jonah looked. I mean, you, you got to understand, he's been in the belly of a fish for three days. Half of his clothes are eaten off, off of him. His body is totally bleached so white, he glows in the sun. His hair's all gone because the gastric juices have just destroyed everything in his body. And he walks in and says, God's going to destroy you. And they look at him and they said, that's a friend of God. What will God do to us? And so they decided to repent real quickly. And the Scripture says that when they repented, God changed his mind, and he said that he would not destroy them. Now, the fourth chapter is, is the ending of the story and what we're going to do today. But would you look there in the first couple of verses? We'll just read the first two verses uh, this morning. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Everybody say he's mad. Now, let me stop. Have you ever been mad at God? Now, come on. I, I know you're not supposed to be. I know good religious folks don't get mad at God. But Jonah is mad. He is ticked off at God. Verse 2, he goes on. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? 
Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who refrains from doing harm. Now, isn't it interesting that, jo that, that Jonah is mad at God because God is merciful? Now, think about that. I mean, I mean, think about how ironic that that whole first couple of verses there in chapter 4 are. God has shown up in mercy. He has shown up in grace uh, to give uh, these people another chance. And the man of God, the man who ought to be the one who is the, the most excited uh, about God changing people's identity and changing who they are, he is all messed up. He is stressed beyond belief. You ever been stressed? Anybody understand stress? Here's what I want to preach about this morning. I want to talk to you about all shook up. All shook, because Jonah is all shook up. I mean, he, he goes, what, what have I been doing? What, what in the world is going on? Uh, there, there's so much stress in my life. Uh, the AMA, the American Medical Association, says this. Mental stress can affect the way the heart functions and actually damage the muscle. I mean, high blood pressure, strokes, all the things that come about through stress. And yet, we live in one of the most stress-filled societies upon earth. I, I saw a, a deal the other day about the people that were the most satisfied on earth. And you know what? It was a third world country that you and I would not want to live in. But they were the most content. They were the most satisfied. They didn't have diddly as far as what we're, we think you have to have. You know, they didn't have the two cars and the nice house and, and the great job and all the, all the amenities of life. They basically live in mud huts uh, and, and have absolutely nothing, but they're happier than we are. Uh-oh. See, Jonah has shown up to preach the Word of God under great compunction from God. He didn't want to go, finally got there after God gave him a second chance. And now God has shown up and said, I am not going to judge these people. And Jonah just gets stressed out with God and he gets stressed out with Nineveh and he is just messed up. He said, I don't want to live around here. I don't want to be around here. He said, listen, I, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Here's what I found out about us when we get stressed. There, there are some aspects of life when we get stressed that we need to get a hold of because if we don't, they're going to destroy us. There are times in your life when you get mad at God. When he doesn't answer the way that you thought he ought to answer. When he doesn't show up as quick as you think that he ought to show up. When he doesn't do it the way that you think that he ought to do it. There are those moments, and, and we, can, we can be good little church people, or we can just be honest this morning and say, you know what, there have been those moments in my life that I have been mad at God. Jonah was. Scripture said he was angry. He was mad. He was ticked off. And he was, the, the whole aspect of what he's going through has stressed him out beyond belief. And so I want to talk to us today about what we are to do when we're stressed. Would you look in verse 3? Here's what he says. After this talk to God about, I knew you were going to give up, and I knew you were going to bless him, and I knew you were going to be merciful. At verse 3, he says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. 
Wow. I mean, if he really believed that, he could have just shown up in Nineveh. They were known to kill people. I mean, that was one of the great things about Nineveh is that they, they would just kill their enemies in all kind of gruesome, grotesque ways. And yet Jonah, now that God has shown up, the city has turned its uh, back on sin and has turned toward God. Now Jonah is saying, Lord, just take my life. Here's what I found out when you're stressed. Number one is you need to be careful what you say. You need to be careful what comes out of your mouth because there are times in your life that, that you get under stress and, and, and things begin to happen and you begin to say things that you didn't really mean to say. You, you remember when the prophet had the little encounter with Jezebel and he runs off into uh, the wild blue yonder out in the middle of nowhere and he gets out there and he says, God, just take my life. Right? Right? Well, if he'd really wanted his life taken, he just needed to stay in the city because Jezebel said she was going to kill him. See, when we get stressed out, we say things, things come out of our mouth that we really don't mean. See, here's what the Bible says. The Word of God says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's what I found out about stressful situations. You find out what's really down inside of people. I mean, have you, have you ever been around people who, who things are closing in on them? And everybody thought that they were wonderful, marvelous, glorious believers until the stress sets in, until the problems roll in, until the difficulties show up in their life. You know, Jonah is, quote, unquote, the prophet of God. But, I mean, as soon as things don't go his way, he starts saying, God, why don't you just kill me? Just let me die. Let, let, it, let it just be over with. Now, we, we need to be careful what we say because the Word of God kind of gives us some insight about the words of our mouth. And I, and I know people think that, that this is, sometimes people think, well, this doesn't even make sense. But the Bible says this. The Word of God says that you are snared by the words of your mouth. The things that come out of your mouth snare you. The Scripture also says there's power of life and death in the tongue. And they that love it shall eat thereof. In other words, what comes out of your mouth. You remember the old saying that, that we used to say when we were kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you know that is the biggest lie that's ever been propagated? Every one of us listening today, every person here today that can remember some words that were spoken maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that still to this day resonate inside of you either for good or for bad. Some of you can remember in the first few grades of school that some teacher uh, who was stressed beyond belief that day for whatever the purpose was, and they said something to you about you're just never going to learn or you're just never going to get it or you're, you know, you're just not very bright, and you have taken that with you, some of you, year after year after year. Some of you have been through divorces and the things that were said from one to the other. As you get through that divorce and then 
God brings somebody else into your life and, and you marry them, all of a sudden, every time that that same word may not be what they mean, but the same word comes out of that spouse's mouth that you heard from the last one, all of a sudden, there begins to be this war that's going on in your mind because of the words that are said. Listen, words are powerful. Words are so powerful that when God spoke words, he created everything you know. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, 2, and 3, and God said, 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 and then it says, and God saw. God saw what he said. In your life, if you really will understand that what comes out of your mouth will make a difference in what's happening around you, you will be a little bit more careful about what you say. The psalmist said, I'm going to set a guard on my mouth. Wow, would that not be wonderful for some people? Have you ever been around anybody that you know that their mouth is going but their mind is not engaged? I mean, I, I'm, I'm around some people that have no filters. I mean, if they think it, it's out. And I just want to go, could you filter that a little bit? Could, could you just learn not to, to just let everything come out of your mouth and let it just flow through you? Why? Because the Scripture again says we are snared by the words of our mouth. Look in verse 5. It says, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. The second thing you've got to do when you're under stress or that you need to be careful about is that you need to be careful not only what you say, you need to be careful where you go. The Bible says Jonah went outside the city to the east side of the city. Now let me, let me explain something. God did not tell him to leave. Well, let, let me help some of you for just a moment. Let me, let me just talk to you just a moment. Until God gives you another word, you still live in the last word. Unless God tells you to move, don't move. Well, I'm bored. I'm frustrated. I don't like it here. It doesn't matter. Until I get the next word, I've got to live out of the last word. Jonah is given the word, go to Nineveh. He is not given the word, leave Nineveh. And yet, what does he do? He leaves Nineveh. See, here, here's the problem with us, is that when we go where God has not told us to go, then we leave the plan of God. And when I leave the plan of God, I leave the provision of God. Don't miss it. People say, well, I don't know why everything, you know, I don't have anything well happening in my life. There's all kind of problems and, and I'm not provided for. Could it be that you've left the plan of God? I'll, I'll just say it this way. Where God guides, he provides. If there is no provision in your life, it could be that you've left the place God told you to stay. Maybe it's time in your life to say, what was the last thing God said? What was the last word that God spoke to me? Because God had spoken to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, I hate this place. God says, don't care. 
How many of you have understood that it's not about your comfort? Amen? Well, I, I like it this way. God's not concerned. You know, there used to be a teaching that went around in the body of Christ back in the 70s, maybe even into the early 80s, and it went something like this. God is a gentleman. Ever heard that? God, come on, anybody ever heard that? God is a gentleman, and he will never violate your will. And I probably even preached that back in the day because it sounded good. I mean, it really, you know, that's a, God is a gentleman. He'll never violate your will. And then he started making me do stuff I didn't want to do. You know, he sent me to the middle of nowhere and said, Pastor, and I said, God, I don't want to go there. He said, stay. I said, Lord, how long? I, I said, a couple of years, Lord, I can handle it. 20 years later, God says, you can go. Nothing against the place I pastored in, but I hate small towns. But God didn't, God didn't come to me and say, do you want to go there? Would you like it? Would you want to take a church that's over 50 years old and so is everybody in it? And I was 25 years old. He just said, go. I said, okay, let's go. You know, Jonah's told, go, and he says, I, I don't think I like that. See, le leaving the place of your assignment opens you to temptation. Here's what the Scripture says. It says, when kings, when the time of year came for kings to go to war, David stayed at home. That's what the Scripture says. And the next several verses talks about David going up on his rooftop, seeing Bathsheba, calling her, to his house, committing adultery, finally committing murder, and ultimately the son of that union dies because of the judgment of God. Why? Because David was not in his assigned place. When it was time for kings to go to battle, David stayed at home. Samson, one of the mightiest men that's ever been upon planet Earth as far as strength, but one of the dumbest human beings ever. All it took was a woman to walk by, and Samson was out. And it didn't matter who the woman was. Read Scripture. He didn't care. Why do y'all act so holy? You know, and he, he wanted to go down to the Philistines, to the, to the, and, 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 you know, and he got in the wrong place and got his eyes put out. Why? Because he didn't stay in the place that God assigned him to. God assigned him to the children of Israel. He winds up with the children of the Philistine. Why? Because he decides he's got more insight than God does. Let, let me help you just for a minute. It is so interesting to me how many people are, are willing to have more gumption than God does. God says, go here, do this, stay there, be a part of that church. And they say, well, I don't like that. I think I'll leave. Uh-oh, it got quiet. I might as well deal with it. I'm here. If God assigns you to a church, then stay there until he tells you otherwise, and don't just make it up. Well, Pastor, I'm feeling led. And you don't consult with spiritual leaders in your life, and you don't talk to anybody but other disgruntled people in your life. And then you wonder why you're feeling led 
get the lead out of the seat of your pants and let's get on our knees and cry out to God for a new word from him. Let's hear what God is saying. Let God speak to us, and then let's be obedient to the Word of God. But if God does not give you another word, then stay where you are until he does. That's enough pastoring for today. Look in verse 6. It says, And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head. Now, this just indicates that Jonah was probably bald-headed. I'm not making that up. That's what most commentaries say. For his, for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. Now, come on, God. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's bald head. I added the ball. So that he grew faint. Then he wished, here he goes, then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than live. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about that plant? And Jonah said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. You ever been there? Come on, you ever had conversations with God and he's asking you questions, but you're so mad, you're just answering what you want to answer. See, the third thing when you're all stressed out and all shook up is you've got to be careful what you trust. Not only do you have to be careful to stay where God sent you, you've got to be careful what you trust in. Jonah starts trusting in a little old plant. Now, let me tell you something about plant. If a plant comes up overnight, guess what? It's going to die overnight. You know, Jack and the Beanstalk is a fable. It is a fairy tale. You don't throw beans out tonight and get, you know, a tree into the heavens tomorrow. And, and there's this whole aspect there of, of Jonah trusting in something that is so transient. Let me help you today. This world is fleeting Your money, here today, gone tomorrow. Your job, I've been part of this company. This is a strong, this is a company. This, this. They can walk in tomorrow and say, you don't even have two weeks. We're closing the plant today. Your house, well, my house, it's, I've got everything in my house you do realize we live in Tornado Alley. And it just takes one vehement wind from the east. And it's gone. And yet I find so many Christians even who trust in transient things, who their hope's not in Jesus, their hope's not in the eternality of their salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Their hope is in what they've got, what they've got their hands on, what they've got in a bank, what their business is bringing in. Here today, gone tomorrow. Oh, pastor, I'm strong, I'm healthy, I'm young. I Here today, gone tomorrow. You can go to bed healthy and wake up in the hospital. I, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to get us awake this day. 
so that we understand that no matter how much trust we've placed on things on this earth, that they're passing away. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. See, when, when you begin to do that, then it doesn't matter what's shifting around you. It doesn't matter if the plant grows up and dies tomorrow. It doesn't matter if the wind blows or the sun beats down upon your life. You know that there is a God who the Scripture says, I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. Do you trust him today? I mean, what, what are you trusting in? I, I'm, I'm going to close in a minute, but what are you trusting in today? Are you trusting in your intellect? Are you trusting in your wisdom? Are you trusting in who you know or what you've got? I promise you those things will pass away. The only thing that lasts upon this earth is the kingdom of God. And it's what you sow into the kingdom of God that will bring eternal dividends back into your life. That's why Jesus Christ came, so that you and I could experience life and it more abundantly. Look in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 4 and we'll close. It says, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much livestock. Now, we read that and say, well, there must have been 120 persons in that city. No, no, no. Go read again. Go study. When, when it refers that they didn't know their right hand from their left hand, it is referring to children. It is referring to little ones, two and three years old, who don't know their right hand from their left hand. It is saying that they, God is saying to, to Jonah, there are 120,000 plus babies in that town. Should I not have pity at least on them? Fourth thing is you need to be careful to listen to the voice of God when you're stressed. You need to hear what God is saying because I want to tell you something. God always sees the big picture. All you see is the moment. All you see uh, is the child who's creating difficulty. All you see is the person who's bringing uh, things to pass in your life that you don't want. All you see are, are the negative maybe of the moment. But God sees the big picture. God says, Jonah, there are 120,000 babies in that city. Should I destroy that city because you're ticked? You need to understand that if you are not careful, your emotions will cloud your judgment. And you're in the midst of something and you're going through a trial and you're going through a struggle. And, and all of a sudden, you, you get angry and you get mad at people and you get mad at God and you just give up. And what you need to know this morning is, is that God sees the end from the beginning. In all of our lives, we go through these moments. We go through these times where we're so stressed and we're so angry 
that we really don't see the other side of the equation. I want to share with you something as I close this morning. It's very personal. I don't share it often, but I want to talk to you today. As most of you know, I was born in Africa. My parents were missionaries. And I lived there in the jungles, literally lived in the jungles until I was seven years of age. My parents came back to the States, and I was glad to be in America once I knew what America was. I can remember my father walking into the house. He was pastoring a church. He walked into the house, and I remember sitting at the table for dinner that evening, and he made this statement. He said, I feel like God is calling me to Kenya. And I did not bear witness. I thought, I'm 13. You go ahead and feel the call. Leave me here. In my family, it didn't work quite that way. So within a few months, we packed up, we moved to Kenya. We'd been there almost a year. I'd finished my freshman, was finishing my freshman year of high school. I'm 14 years of age. And on a Sunday, I had gone to, me and a couple of other guys had gone to a pool and we had swam and I'd woke up the next morning on Monday uh, with my head all stopped up and so I used that as a really good reason not to go to school. And my father and two other missionaries were leaving that day to go to another part of Kenya. We lived in Nairobi, the capital city. And, and I remember standing on the front or the back porch of the house, and I remember my dad and the two other missionaries pulling out of the driveway. And as my dad backed up, he stopped the car, rolled down the window, and he said, Son, get on those books. Rolled the window up and left. About 4 o'clock that afternoon, there's a knock on our door. There's an Assembly of God missionary who's standing at the door, and he has the most horrible look on his face that you can imagine. My mother opens the door, and she says to him, Brother Kirby, you look like you've brought a death message. And the missionary bowed his head, and he said, I've got to tell you something. He said, the men have been in an accident, and Brother Couples has been killed. And in that moment, my whole world changed. My mom's world changed. My sister's world changed in that moment. And over the next few years, as I processed that happening, I became bitter I became angry, and I hated God, and I hated everything to do with the church and the kingdom of God. Because I said, if that's the kind of God that you've told me about, who he calls you to do his will, and then he lets you die, I don't want anything to do with that kind of God. Through the process of God's redemptive plan, I came back around and began in ministry. But probably for 25 years, there was this part of me that I reserved. I was a pastor, I was a leader, 
I was the man of God. But there was something inside of me that I said, I'll serve you to this point, but no more. In all my time, and I I'm, I'm, I'm don't want to belabor the point, but in all my time of my father being killed, I have never dreamed about my father one time until about six years ago. Hasn't happened since. But in a dream, my father, I saw him as he was that day coming to me, and I was as I was at that point. And he just said three words. He just said, I bless you. And I woke up. And it was like in that moment, something lifted off of my life that I have never reserved anything since that day. I want to tell you, there may be some of you here today who say, you know what? I'm a little angry. I'm a little ticked off. I'm kind of like Jonah. I want to tell you, there's a God who loves you even when you're angry. Even when you leave his will. Even when you don't do what he tells you to do. He still loves you. And he'll just keep coming back time and time and time again.